I went to the chairman one day and said, uh, we have to sell Signori. And I thought he got a heart attack. He said, no, <laughs> you're, you're joking, Sven, he said. That's not possible. Suddenly he did it and the fans got absolutely crazy. They hated me. They wanted to kill me, I think. <laughs> Galovic, area affollatissima, prova il tiro e decolle! Proprio lui, Bialovic, nell'occasione più importante, trova l'incrocio dei pali, beffa tutti. Play continued in Rome. Lazio went two up courtesy of the game in Rome also had to be stopped to avoid any unfair disadvantage. Juventus asked for their match to be postponed, claiming the pitch was unplayable. After 20 minutes delay, play restarted in Rome. When the rain eased in Perugia, after an hour's hold-up, the match there also resumed. But four minutes after the restart, disaster for Juve, when Perugia delivered the killer blow. Those cheering loudest were Lazio supporters in Rome. But more incredible scenes were to follow. Men a peaceful pitch invasion by Lazio supporters. Fans stripped players of their clothing for lifelong souvenirs, while others cut chunks of turf from the playing arena. Order was restored, the game over, it was time to follow events in Perugia, which still had 30 nail-biting minutes to play. When the final result was confirmed, it sparked a delirious frenzy in Rome. Lazio, the new champions of Italian football. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Teams of Our Lives with myself and Andy Brassel. Hello, how are you? Oh, Andy. Oh, Andy, am I in a good mood today? (laughs) It's happened. It's finally happened, ladies and gentlemen, on the teams of our lives. We are talking about a side who were managed by sexy Sven Joran Eriksson. It's Lazio. My goodness, this is a story. Um, some some sides we talk about, and you think, oh, it sort of it was a bit of a surprise. It came from nowhere that title. And other sides, you think, oh, well, they, they were a great side, and, and finally, um, you know, they did the treble or whatever in terms of sort of Barcelona or whatever. This side, I mean, there's there's so much going on here. Absolutely, it, it, it's incredible. In, in ninety nine two thousand that season, Olsven he led them Lazio to only their second ever Serie A title. And it came in their centenary year as well, which was which was quite something. Their only previous Serie A title win was in 1973-74, which was surprising, Andy, because Lazio were kind of seen in this country as huge, very exciting side, really due to the fact that Paul Gascoigne went there in 1992. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. And um, before we get to how Sven ended up here. And my goodness, we're going to get to that. We are going to get to that. While it's in no way compromising the fact that I'm sure we'll do a Teams of Our Lives for uh, Sven era Benfica as well in in, in the future. I think that would be fun. Um, Lazio were probably... if when When I was first getting into 
Italian mm. football when I was, I guess, about 10, 11. Lazio wouldn't have been on my radar as immediately as um, Inter, Milan, mm-hmm. Juventus, Roma, Sampdoria, etc. But signing Paul Gascoigne changed mm-hmm. that, not just for, for me, but for football fans of my generation. And there's no getting around the fact that Gaza and Lazio, by buying Gaza, changed um, Italian football's relationship with the British yes. public forever. Because without that, we don't get um, free-to-air Serie A on um, Channel 4 on a Sunday afternoon or through, in my case, um, my teens or, um, you know, for other people, be that other parts of their childhood or their early 20s or whatever your age group. Um, And, you know, I I think it's worth us touching on as, like, people of a similar generation, Marcus, you know how how special that was this was the age before everyone had sky mm. or every, everyone had access to, to or lots of people had access i should say to to sky sports I, I still believe quite passionately now as um regular listeners of the ramble and on the continent will be aware that free to air football is incredibly mm-hmm. precious i think yeah, yeah, we yeah. can assume that everyone has um uh, mm-hmm. satellite um, contracts now and all, all that sort of stuff but it's mm-hmm. expensive and particularly now and particularly the, the, the world we're in and the economic situation a, a lot of people are, are living in and I, I think it's something to be really cherished and when you had a bit of free to air La Liga on ITV what the season before last it would have been 2018 2019 when the 11 sports deal fell apart it, it felt really oh, special so I thought to have top level European football back on free to air TV. It was, it was amazing. And of course it was presented brilliantly by James Richardson and all the people behind it. But we go back to the beginning of that and why this actually happened. The the fact is that channel four or Chrysalis making the programs on behalf of channel four tried to buy the rights to just the Lazio games. (laughs) And they, they turned around, Serie A turned around and said, no, you're going to have to buy the whole league. So for the princely sum of, I think it was around £300,000 a year, you know, which Sven wouldn't even get out of bed say, for that. Yeah. I mean, let's be, let's, let's, let's be fair. Well, it depends who was and in bed with him. It, <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true. But this really did affect our relationship forever with Italian mm. football. And I think, Marcus, when you see now from people that we know well, like the, the absolute cream, like Nicky Bandini and, and James Horncastle. You know, you've got so many English language writers and British writers that focus on Serie A more so than yeah. any other league. And, you know, that outstrips like the Beckham effect at mm-hmm. Real Madrid or the boom of Barcelona, which obviously people like Graham Hunter and Sid Lowe have done an incredible job covering, or, or the Galactico era at Real Madrid any of that sort of stuff. And if you think of your mates who you watch football with when you're kids, everyone had yeah, an Italian yeah. team. It, it it just changed everything, yeah, and didn't it, it? And it looked great. And, and Lazio in that sort of sky blue as well, they stood out in their way. We were used to the stripes. We were used to uh, the Sampdoria kit and all. And, and I know this sounds sort of, almost sort of futile to say it, but it, but it, but they, 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 it, it, it looked great. And, and, and that free-to-air football, 
was not just a free-to-air kind of, you know, with, I don't know, just sort of the Portuguese league. We say, oh, it's not a bad league. You know, you've got some some big sides yeah. in there. You know, it's worth watching every every now and then. It, it was, was the, the best. best. League. And Lazio, yeah. as I say, were, were a part of this. But for all that promise, and we, and we have to sort of bring this um, to, back to kind of Sven's Lazio. And the reason for that is because for all that promise of all the players that came and went throughout the 90s, they never won a trophy until Sven came along. And, mm. and much money had been spent at that club and much money would be spent at that club under under Ericsson uh, when he was in charge there. But they didn't win the title. They, they weren't really... When Sven took over, they, they became close and obviously they did win the league. But they were still not the side to beat throughout that time. You know, Juventus were huge in, in the mid-90s, you know, early 90s, it, it was Milan. But Serie A was the place to be. Now, Lazio, I should say, did finish second in 94-95, in forgive me. Um, they finished third the following season, fourth in 96-97, seventh in 97-98. They also reached the UEFA Cup final that year, which they were beaten handedly by Inter, which include the great Ronaldo up front, who scored in that game. Zanetti scores a beauty. I think Zamorano got the opener, if my memory serves me well. It was in 98-99 things began to change for Lazio. Their first trophy came in the form of the Coppa Italia. And Sven's not got a bad record at that. He actually won the Coppa Italia when he was at Sampdoria and and Roma previously. Um, And Mm. then in 99, they win the Cup Winners' Cup final at Villa Park, beating Real Mallorca 2-1 in the final, which I think was the last version of that trophy. So... It was. It was the very. It was the very. Yeah. Final so Sven one. owns the Cup Winners' Cup, Andy. Uh, <laughs> and and there and and just to kind of we've talked about you know money being spent and players coming in and so on. Just to t- just to remind you or to inform you that the lineup for that for Lazio that day at Villa Park when they when they won two one they had Luca Marchegiani in goal who. I think it's probably a touch underrated. And Italy have had some great goalkeepers. But he was at one point the most expensive Mm. goalkeeper in the world. Their centre-halves were Sinisa Mihailovic, who Sven had had at at Sampdoria, I think, and had converted him from a winger to like a sweeper kind of position. And he was was quite unwilling to do that. And I think think we think of Ericsson as a, a certain sort of coach and a certain sort mm. of man, you know, a player's coach and a, a man's man. But taking on Sinisa Mihailovic yeah. and convincing him to play at centre-back is super impressive. Well, when you impressive. say he's a man's man, I know what you mean by that, but actually he's very, very disarming, as uh, lots of evidence would suggest. And and But a part of that evidence is, as you say, sweet-talking Mihailovic and convincing him to play an entirely different position. Mm. Uh, which he did. So they were the centre-halves. Here's your four across the midfield. Nedved on the left, Almeida in the centre. One can forget Matthias Almeida. Um, Mancini in the centre, uh, Stankovic on, on the right, and then Vieri and Salas up front. I mean, it is not too shabby. Off the bench, Fernando Couto, uh, Lombardo, Sergio Concesao, and, and Ivan Dilla Pena didn't even get a kick that day. You know, that's a team, Andy. <laughs> that's not too shabby at all. Yeah, it is. And I, I think... It's, it's clear that by '99 something is, mm. is 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 really happening at Lazio. Um, I think what worked well for both parties. I mean, we talked about um, Paul Gascoigne signing taking Lazio to a different level internationally. I mean, in those days, when we go back to the early days of watching um, Serie A and Channel Four, we all came for Paul Gascoigne and we stayed for Beppe Signore. <laughs> yeah, really? I like that. <laughs> and. I, I, Lazio developed over that time, but also you think after that successful first spell at Benfica, um, 
as you say, he came to Italy and he won Coppa Italia's mm-hmm. uh, with Roma, where actually he found it quite tough. Um, he found it quite a major ad- adjustment. And th- there was the sense, because of course he was in charge of Fiorentina and, and Samp as well. After Fiorentina, there was there was maybe a sense that um, he wanted to go back and be a big dog uh, at Benfica mm-hmm. again. And maybe that's why he went back for that second spell. But he, he did a decent job at, at Sampdoria. And by the time he comes to Lazio, he's got his feet so much under the Italian table that, of course, he, he almost joined Blackburn yeah, that's right, in 97, yeah. didn't he? And um, He'd signed the contract, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he had. And, and, and then he went back on it and got them to uh, release him from it. He decided he'd, he'd rather stay in Italy and, and ended up going well, to Lazio. Well, he was Lazio very appreciative in, of Blackburn because he said they didn't have to do that, but they said, okay, fair enough. And they... Yeah, he also did say that he wanted to stay in Italy for family reasons. Well, I, I, I'm just going to leave that there. Well, yes, indeed. The, the mind truly boggles. <laughs> <laughs> but I, th- I think the interesting thing, when you combo the amount of money that Lazio threw at that project, and you know, you talked about Christian Vieri scoring in the in, in the final against Mallorca at Villa Park in the Cup Winners' Cup in 99. Of course, Vieri left for, for Inter That was a huge afterwards. transfer. It was heavily criticised. Even yeah. the Vatican launched in and were like, this is ridiculous, this type of money. <laughs> and it, it, isn't it amazing that, you know, I mean, Vieri was a total gun yeah. for hire, going for huge fees, like, Every year, oh. then you know how he went to Atletico, to Lazio, it's to Inter before before that, settling because down he there. was one of the best strikers in the world, and such a journeyman to I go mean, for such was... vast sums, but also perform pretty well where he would go. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first two players who, when I would have been, I guess, in my early twenties, the first two players that I saw at first hand, where you've seen them on the telly mm. loads, but when you see them. Like in the flesh, it's something different. Christian Vieri, and actually going going back to when I was a kid, John mm. Barnes. I, I think that those are the those are the two players who always stick in my mind. That I, I knew they were amazing from seeing them do incredible things on television. But then you see them in the flesh, and you realise there's so much more to them. You realise why they're the mm. absolute best because um, everything they do off the ball as well as, mm-hmm. as not on the ball. Um, but going back to, to to Lazio, and you know losing. Uh, Vieri was was a big thing, but they had a plan, and of course they had money because you know we always associate Sven with the money. This this, this never happens. I think we should focus on his coaching yeah. because the reality is this never happens without the money of Sergio mm-hmm. Cragnotti, which, as it turns out, was other people's <laughs> money. But that's a, that's a story we'll we'll come to a little bit further down the line. But Cragnotti spent big mm. and then some, so it was it, it was. It, it, it was huge, and um, we have to say as well, as much as Italy taught Sven, Sven taught mm. Italy as well, because at Sampdoria, he'd moved away from man-marking mm-hmm. to zonal marking, which was a huge thing really to do in, in Serie A when you think of the culture of Italian defending. And as well, when you look at Lazio in this 99-2000 season, they play four four two most of the time. Cer- certainly until until spring. I mean, you can really feel his Swedish mm-hmm. roots in this team. So even though he was um, 
having silver service at the table. He was still serving ste- steak and chips, just just excellent steak. That's a lovely with bare sauce. Putting it because yes, I mean he, he played four four two for England, and people think well, that's because well, it's what the English sort of used to always do back then. But you're right to point that out about Ericsson that that he would. It's why it's why England and Ericsson are such a great it, combination. It's why it works so perfectly. Um, but mm. in that season in ninety eight ninety nine, they finished second, one point behind Milan. Uh, it went all the way down to to the last day, and it was actually that was Milan's centenary year as well. So this was building. This is not like um, you know when we've spoken uh, about one or two other sides. Where, as I say, it's, it seems uh, it seemed unlikely they would win the league. You know, Lazio were, were were spending an awful lot of money. They'd brought in some some big names, and this was possible. Uh, and and that year at the start of that season, they won the Super Cup. They beat Manchester United one nil when they used to play it in Monaco, and Alex. Marcelo Salas he did score scored the winner, the winner. Yeah. and 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 Ferguson said, "I think they'll win Serie A this year." So that's what that's what you're dealing with. But the mm. signings they made, they brought in Sensini, who one can forget what a player he was. You know, loads of caps for Argentina. Diego Simeone, Simone Inzaghi, Juan Verón, and you cannot understate um, his importance. Unfortunately, we've got a a certain view, or some people might do in England because it, it may be seen as a little bit of a lazy player or not putting in the kind of shift that a central midfielder in the middle of a four, an English four, uh, would do. Mm. Um, but in Italy, you know, I mean, he's called the little witch in Argentina because of, um, you know, what he can conjure up or whatever. I don't know that that kind of thing. It's again, doesn't translate very well. But It's also because he's... His dad was La Bruja, so he became La Bruja. Okay, so there you go. But he was, but he, yep. I mean, he had a bit of uh, wizardry about him on the pitch, and, oh, for sure. uh, and also I, I totally forgot about this one, and I don't know how important he was in, you know, having just listed those names off. But in January they brought in Fabrizio Ravanelli. Yeah, they did, and it makes me think a little bit of an NBA title mm. contender bringing in. Um, a few seasoned yeah, veterans yeah, yeah. to like sort of pad out the uh-huh. squad o- 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 over the line. Um, but I think we, t- we talked about how the shape changed in that spring a little bit. And Ericsson, especially Ericsson in his prime, because I think you can definitely argue that he's coached for too long. And the fact that he says he's still looking <laughs> for a job now as- astonishes he's just, me. He's doing it for uh, me. He's doing it for us, Andy, I think. That's what it is. He's, de- he's, de- he's doing it for something beginning with him, certainly. <laughs> but I, I, I think the amazing thing is when you get to the spring, uh, when Lazio really mm. hit their straps, um, it's, it's because he changes from a 4-4-2 actually to 4-5-1. Because when you mm. look at that squad and you think there are a lot of players in that who are kind of natural number 10s, really. So you look at, Mm-hmm. Veron, as you said before, you look at Pavel Nedved, who you best believe we're going to be talking about a lot more in the oh, next yeah. ten minutes, and also they've they've even got they've even got yeah. Mancini in there, and Mancini in the game where they win the title against Regina on the final day, he plays his last ever Serie A game, mm. which is like a, a really interesting end to quite an explosive career. I mean, he played what five hundred odd games yeah. in Serie A in the end, didn't he? Um, but the, the way he changes it. Sven is so you have just Salas up front and then you have it's, it's quite like the way Eintracht Frankfurt play under Ali mm. Kutu at the moment actually um, even, even though the, the back bit of the team is different but the front bit of the team is the same in that you have 
one striker who can yeah. score goals and is incredibly mm-hmm. mobile. And then behind him, you almost have yeah. two number 10s. So even though Sven was from a very Northern European 4-4-2 sort of culture, he was smart enough to change the team and kind of meet them halfway in terms of like realizing the players mm-hmm. that he had, realizing the strengths that they had, and just tweaking his system so he could get the absolute best out of them. And it, it really Yeah, and, and, and I think, you know, you look at one or two of the other forwards they have there. I mean, Simone Inzaghi, as I say, was brought in, you know, much younger at the time. Um, yeah. Used a little bit less than, than Salas. But even Alan Boxic, who was there, didn't, didn't play that much. Again, not used sort of, I suppose, archetypal strikers who tend to sort of play off a little bit. So it was it, it was a very interesting side. And, and, and Salas, who was there, you know, he was their top scorer that season. But, I mean, he, did, he didn't get a huge amount of goals, though. I mean, I think he... Um, the goals are sorry, spread I should around, say he was, their, he was their top scorer in the league with 12, and it was Simone Inzaghi who was actually the, the top scorer overall with 19, which is an impressive season uh, for him. Mm. But you're right, it was all about the midfield, really. Uh, and, uh, you know, as I say one or two of the, the players, the big boys like Nesta and and uh, Sinisa at the back. But, you know, the, the Lazio, they, 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 they were beaten 4-1 by Roma in November. Um, again, fairly early on in the season and bearing in mind what they wanted to achieve this season that we're talking about, how much money they were spent and what that Derby fixture means to get tonked by Roma 4-1 fairly on in the season. That would have you could imagine yeah. the pressure Ericsson was under, having spent all that yeah, money. I, I know people can say, "Oh, we had loads of money." Of course, money helps. Let's, let's not be silly here. Um, you know, if he's given that amount of money to spend, he can bring in those players. Obviously, that improves their chances to win the title. But you have to deliver, and not everybody can deal with that kind of pressure. Absolutely, and they were absolutely flamed in that game as well. I mean, I think I conceded all the goals in the first half hour, <laughs> um, so it was it was it was a beating and a half. And as you say, that the fact that you know the the fans and the clubs share the same stadium as well, it just makes that mm. rivalry all the more intense. But then again, on the other hand, I think once you get to spring, the real Kickstarter mm-hmm. um, and the week that proved absolutely vital is they beat Roma two one in the return, where Veron scores the winner for absolutely miles out, and then the following week, and this is the part of the season where Veron proves worth everything that Ericsson believes he is. Um, they go to um, Juventus. And of course, this proves vital, not just in terms of the momentum of the title race, but in terms of, well, mathematically, when you come to the end of the season, because that, that's only won the yeah. league by one point. They go to the Stadio degli Alpi and they win 1-0. It's a brilliant Veron cross, an absolutely brilliant, like Beckham-esque mm-hmm. really from a fairly central position and um, Simeone sneaks in the box and and heads in the winner from from that cross and I think because of the, the sort of football that Simeone's Atletico teams play and because he's particularly famous for the World Cup stuff with Beckham at Saint-Etienne in 1980, uh, 1998 people look at Simeone and think um, oh, he, he just booted other players mm-hmm. nonsense I, I think it's interesting if you go through Simeone's career and work out how many goals he scores yeah. from midfield it's, it's a lot and he could do that sneaking into the box 
um, header from the penalty spot sort of business. And this was an absolutely vital goal. The other interesting thing about that game against Juventus is you talked about Marco Gianni and how important he is. And that's absolutely true. But uh, Marco Balotta, who I think over a couple of couple of seasons, two or three seasons with Lazio, only played 11 or 12 games. He came in for that game and he made a lot of important saves as well. So he's the sort of secret, like down low hero of, of, of this run towards the title. But of course, despite all their excellent players, um, despite this incredible run at the end of the season where they win, I think, seven of the last eight and and, and draw the other one with Fiorentina. Um, it still mm-hmm. takes a few twists on the final day of the season for, for Lazio to actually it, I mean, it. it wasn't just the final day. Obviously, that is like, it culminates that. But with three matches left, Juve had a five-point lead. And Juventus have been there. Mm. They know, they, they know yeah. you know, they, they, I think they'd won 25 league titles by this point. Lazio have won one. They lose to Verona, which shocked the world quite frankly and then in the penultimate round of fixtures Juventus they were one nil up against Parma at home going into injury time I think it's Fabio Cannavaro scores an equaliser the referee disallows the goal um, as it says in the Guardian on grounds that were at least shaky and at worst drew <laughs> allegations of corruption <laughs> <laughs> And of course, you know, 2006, Galchopoli, we know what happened there. So that looked extremely questionable. And going into the final day, Juventus were playing Perugia, who was safe from relegation, little to play for. Perugia, the side that faced Milan on the final day the previous season, where Lazio needed them to do them a favour and and they couldn't because they were up against a far superior side. Lazio, two points behind, so not even a draw. They needed. They needed Perugia to beat Juventus. And as I say, when you think about all that stuff, it just seems so unlikely. But the match was delayed between Juventus and Perugia by 80 minutes due to heavy rain. Now, yeah, that that like half an hour, half time. I mean, Andy, yeah, it's extraordinary, is it? Because Lazio, you think to yourself, okay. Going into the final day, Perugia are not expected to win. This is, I would probably say this is similar to when Manchester City went to, was it Manchester City went to Brighton when, when, when they won it, they had 98 points and Liverpool finished with 97. And City away to Brighton. Brighton, I think, were already safe, but they needed to probably just really sort of get a draw or beat Man City and Liverpool. Yeah. And and I, 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 it was never going to happen. You knew it was, was not going to be the case. And of course, Man City run out comfortable winners. It's that kind of affair that's going on here. And, uh, and of course, you know, Perugia, they score at the start of the second half and Juventus can't score. And incredibly, they win 1-0 and hand Lazio the title. It's an unbelievable finish to the season and this could have looked so differently with with Lazio because again that's only the second time in their history they've ever they've ever won the league Sven-Jorn Eriksson you know that's probably his crowning moment as a as a manager he's he he, he won yeah. some very very decent trophies before that you know one can forget uh, what a great coach he was in the 80s and the 90s and really this was his kind of in terms of trophies, his last hurrah. I know he went to England, which is which is a big job. 
But after Lazio, you know, the trophies dried up. Obviously, not everything dried up for Sven, but the trophy certainly did. <laughs> and 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 so it was so uh, it was it was so important for him and Lazio that they won this. But it could have been so different had. I don't know, heavy rain not turned up and sort of thrown everything completely off kilter and so on and so forth, Andy. But it's an amazing yeah. uh, a, a chunk of this story, that last day on that season. It, it is. It is. And um, I think that game at Perugia is one of the few occasions where I've seen Pierluigi Colina look a little bit flustered. <laughs> well, they had to get him in, didn't they, to make sure it was all kosher. Yeah, and um, yeah, is 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 an extraordinary ending, and of course, um, from Lazio's perspective, I think when they beat Regina, um, Simone uh, Simeone scored in that last uh, game of the season. So did mm-hmm. so did Veron, so did uh, Simone and Zaghi, but it's it, it's a it's a remarkable turnaround, and the way that Carlo Ancelotti, who was the coach of Juventus then, was viewed off the back of it. And it's amazing when you think what he went on to do, um, not just with Milan, of course, in in the Champions League context, but with Chelsea, Real Madrid, Bayern to a lesser extent, that he was seen as this perennial runner-up, <laughs> as only Ancelotti yeah. could lose could lose <laughs> it in these circumstances, and it looked like it would be something that defined his career. Of course, him and Ericsson are, are, are very different stages because Ancelotti is still a great coach. And um, I think really once England was mm. done, um, yeah. Sven Euron Eriksson's um, best coaching years mm-hmm. were behind him. What coaching years they yeah. were, by the way, I think that, that, that can mm. be overshadowed sometimes when we're talking about Sven, the the, the, the personality. Um, and I've done a lot to do that, I, I to, think <laughs> for that. So possibly, Sven. But, but they, they, were, they were a thrilling mm. side with so many good players in there as, as, as well. And, you know, they would have felt, what more can you do? After the way they ended the season, if they'd have not won the title, mm. um, you know, I think some people, well, mainly Lazio fans, would have, would have felt that it was an enormous travesty because in that home straight of the season, they yeah. were unbelievable. I mean, you remember, like, in the um, in the second group stage of the Champions League, they went and won at Chelsea mm-hmm. as well, um, which was the first time, I guess, a lot of British fans would have been exposed to them. And, and they just played Chelsea off the pitch. I mean, they only won two one in the end, despite finishing that with ten men. Um, but th- they went one nil down against the run of play, and then kept going. Sinisa Mihailovic, who you quite rightly pointed out before, scored like what was an absolutely unstoppable <laughs> free kick to, to 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 win the game. And you know, they were a Champions League perennial at this point and so mm. exciting to watch. And once they got in their stride, like they did that night at Stanford Bridge, they were just a tidal mm. wave. There's, there's nothing you could do to to stop them. They were they were so, so good. Now, obviously, it fell apart relatively quickly afterwards um, because um, Cragnotti had d- defaulted on a load of, a load of um, bonds issued... Um, for Chidio, his his um his his company that largely funded the club, it already been done for um uh, fraud going back to what early nineties. Mm-hmm. So I think people kind of knew it was built on sand. Um, but I mean it's it's, it's a terrible end to it. Not only because Lazio um 
suffered lots of financial hardship and the team mm-hmm. fell apart. But more importantly, there were lots of normal Italians who invested yeah. in, in Chilio who lost a, a load of money, and I think it amounted to over a billion euros in, in, in the end. So it was a it was it was a sad end to it. But um, I think Sven's quite open about it. he was never really asking yeah. the questions about wh- where the where the money was coming from. But you know, having the money to spend on absolutely top players and then molding them into an effective side, an exciting side, a side with so much grit and attitude. And you know, you talked about Sergio Concisao, who I have a little feeling could end up as Lazio coach <laughs> sometime in the in, in, in the future. He was he was part of that as well. You know, that they were players who were not just great players but mm. locked in uh, of course they were at Lazio for the money and you know th- this is something that's you know made as a a criticism of, of various Abramovich Chelsea teams mm. isn't it that they're that they're mercenaries well do you know what you can be there for the money and still be a hundred percent locked in and giving everything and I think Really, this Lazio side is a very, very good example. I think you're of absolutely that. right, Andy. Touch of the Galacticos sort of feel about it, if you see what I mean. Just a little yes. bit, though. But anyway, maybe we'll do them another time. Um, absolutely I think so. right. Well, a uh, pleasure, Andy, talking to you about uh, Sven's Lazio. I, I just uh, a remarkable few years uh, in 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 the life of 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 Lazio and in Serie A, really. Just absolutely incredible. I, I recommend wider reading, especially uh, extracts from Sven's book, which you can find online of what he got up to. Uh, in Italy, off the pitch, uh, and uh, and when he wasn't in the dugout, it's uh, it's not surprising, is what I'll say there. There we are, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening to the teams of our lives. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Andy. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.